Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here again. Paul and I have done that thing again that we joke about. We actually are podcasting later than normal, and we still talked for two hours before we started. And, 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 and you still think, can't believe it. We've been talking. You'd for, think stuff got accomplished. Uh, stuff got like pinned. You know what I mean? Like you pinned right. something to come back later. We got like two hours worth of pinned conversations. Nothing got checked off. Nothing got checked off. But that's a lot of how the show works, and we love it. We're building stuff all the time. In fact, you can actually see the fruits of our labor right now because we're currently – on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Indeed, the Compax has just aired, but don't worry, every bit of the new content will air again. It will repeat in Season 8, and it will come soon to Amazon Prime. Meanwhile, we're still posting a little bit older TV episodes on YouTube, so something else will be dropping. That is The Middles. You've heard us talk about yep. The Middles. That is coming in just a few days. But Compax has aired. BMW built a car the size of a Toyota Corolla. It is the 228i Grand Coupe, and yep. we thought, this looks... Like BMW built a Corolla. Why don't it we does, turn this into yes. a TV episode for, mm-hmm. for people actually shopping? So it's very much true to brand. But coming next is episode three, and that is golf cars, not <laughs> golf carts. That's true. Not golf carts. Golf cars. <laughs> this is the 2020 Lexus LC500 convertible versus the 2020 Corvette Stingray convertible. And we talk about the fact that both of those cars, let's be honest, somewhere in the mood board, build sheet, however you want to think about it, somebody was thinking about a person that was going to buy it to put golf clubs in it to drive it to the country club, and that was going to be its life. Both of those cars were clearly built with this in mind, and so we put them together against each other and just talked about this whole phenomenon. Right, because we didn't start it. No. If Corvette is going to say... Golf clubs fit. Mm-hmm. You started it. We're just filming about it. I, I will. I will admit right now, though, just in case any of you are frightened, we don't play golf in this episode. Yeah, no, there was no actual. We golf actually didn't happen. bring golf clubs and I check them in the trunk. Have, we could have, you know, but, but I didn't want to sure do it, and anything. people probably didn't want to watch yeah. it. So we I guess what we did. We took them. This is the whole premise. We took these cars that were, let's be honest, were made for golf and going to the country club, and we took them out and said, "How do they drive?" Exactly. Like drive well. And we wound up on a road that is spectacular. <laughs> Shockingly and, spectacular in early November. the week before we had our first just catastrophic snowstorm. Yeah. It's like yeah. The, the very back end of fall, the leaves are, are – they're past orange. They're down to pink. It's fall, <laughs> folks. It's a very cool piece. That will air January 16th, 2021. At 7.30 Eastern on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. And again, stuff is coming also to YouTube. Amazon Prime is where you can find mm-hmm. the latest season right after it airs, usually right after it airs. And then YouTube has the older seasons uh, in addition to Amazon Prime as well. We have seven seasons on Amazon Prime already. Eight is coming that. soon. Another thing going on behind the scenes is uh, my paper father novel. Thank you to those of you that are reading it and leaving reviews. There's a ton of reviews. I'm encouraging you to review it again on Amazon or Goodreads. If you have read it and haven't reviewed it, I would greatly appreciate it. Other people are finding it. But the reason I bring it up again is because January 22nd, that's a Friday in a few weeks from now, I am doing a 
virtual book tour, if you will. It's the Q&A about the book for those of you that have read it. We did a, a special podcast episode that was no spoilers. This is full of spoilers. You can also get signed books, uh, signed copies, that kind of thing through the Eventbrite page for that. But also, if you just want to be a part of the discussion, you can do that for free. You can just be there. So That's that would be very cool. cool. So you can sign pretty up cool. right now. There is a link on our Facebook page. You can also go to toddeacon.com. There's a link at the bottom of that page. Love to have you. It's, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's going to be cool. Guys, I can absolutely tell you this is completely worth your time, and the book is worth your reading. I think it will get you back into reading, personally. That's what I appreciate it's done that. for me. So. appreciate that. Awesome. There is a lot of news that we've got to discuss here. First of all, Apple has been talking about this partnership with Hyundai. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, after Hyundai released this, their market value went up $15 billion, with a B, dollars because of this partnership. Did they take Bitcoin money? Because Bitcoin dropped away. Forget it. Yeah, I have sorry. no idea. Now, I've been investigating this because Hyundai first announced it, and then they backed away from it and said, whoa, I don't know. What are we doing here? <laughs> people aren't talking to each other. We're not communicating, people. Behind the scenes, somebody's going, but Apple hasn't called back yet. They haven't called <laughs> exactly. back yet. They've, they've announced it. We have it. So anyway, I've been looking into this, interestingly. If you're listening to this in the future, I wonder if Apple and Hyundai indeed go through. Mm-hmm. But securities analysts, from the financial perspective, they're looking at what this partnership might be like and mm-hmm. what actually electric vehicle partnerships all over the world and collaborations all over the, all over the world will look like. And I am quoting and attributing information to a Wall Street Journal article written in January 2021 by a guy named Stephen Wilmot. And his article was called Making an Apple EV is a Poison Chalice for Car Companies Mm. because margins on vehicle assembly is very thin. Yes, it is. And there's also a lot of competition from electronics and manufacturing hubs in East Asia. Mm -hmm. He also points out that Hyundai at this point now has a larger market value than General Motors and has revealed Hmm. its own electric vehicle platform, which... By doing this, they're essentially inviting Apple to come alongside them and spread out the costs of the development of electric vehicles, not only through their own portfolio, but Apple might be one of them. So that is Mm -hmm. where the gist of this is coming from. So end quote there, I think it's rather interesting for Apple to continue pursuing that. Mm -hmm. My own opinion, they started back in 2014, and I think, well, gosh, you guys are really good at, you know, hardware and software, and why cars? Is this an ego yeah. thing? Yeah, it's a great question. Why Why cars? Because well, as Stephen has pointed out, those margins are so thin. They're very mm-hmm. thin with mm-hmm. Foxconn. By the way, Foxconn, their manufacturer in Asia, in China, mm-hmm. that builds the iPhone, has razor-thin margins on just the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Now, they build them in such volume, they make money. Yeah, But yeah, Foxconn yeah. has also announced an EV platform. <laughs> <laughs> what are they intending? And everybody's going to want to be in the business with Apple. But Correct. Yet, but Apple, will it make money for them? That's the thing. It'll be good for Apple. Well, it not be so good for Apple's the suppliers. Gonna, yeah, Apple's going to amortize out their their risk mm-hmm. with the fact that everybody's going to want to be in the business with Apple. I, this is a very interesting twist. I, because, you know, for a while, Apple was – well, we officially aren't making a car while they quietly were making a car. Then they right. announced, you know, we're not going to make a car anymore. And that's been the last couple of years. And now it's, we're going to work with somebody else or maybe many somebody else's to build cars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I, I'm wondering why cars? Cars are very large, expensive products mm-hmm. to build. Mm-hmm. I know they are already used to doing that and they laugh in the face of complexity. I know that Apple has that ability to do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But why cars? Mm-hmm. 
Faraday Future was spun out of the idea of having this all-inclusive, it's the vehicle, it's autonomous, watching all the entertainment produced by that company, by Mm -hmm. the parent company, on devices that are built by that parent company. So you're all-inclusive, you're in that bubble. And is it an ego thing for Apple to do this? Mm. Is it... Is that what they're looking at, or is it really a financially good move? Would Steve Jobs approve of this? I don't know that he was ever into cars. Interesting per question. Se. Yeah. So are they trying to really create their now their own full ecosystem? Mm. I mean, mm. they kind of already do. Well, they mean, have an but, ecosystem. This would be plugging a car into an ecosystem versus Faraday Future, which was right. going to sell you a car and build you an infrastructure. And then Faraday yeah. kind of realized, like, yeah, all that other stuff doesn't matter. It just matters about getting a car to market and actually selling something which first. They, they sold T-shirts. Yes. By the way, I have determined (laughs) after reading much information about Tesla that Tesla is not a car company. They are not a battery company and they're not a tech company. They are a company that sells stock. (laughs) That's it. I I actually think that's an excellent assessment. That's all they do is sell stock because Mm -hmm. it just inexplicably goes up. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I can't understand. And, and, and there's two sides of that coin for a second. Yeah, somebody's writing an angry email. I hear the typing. It's like drums in the distance, except it's an angry Tesla Rati. Anyway, no, but, but seriously, Tesla sold 500, sorry, made 500,000 cars last year. Okay. By any metric, that is impressive. It sure. Is genuinely impressive. It's awesome. For, the, for who they are, for how long they've been in existence, for what they do. To make a half million cars is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, and they make good cars. Their, their cars are well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, every other auto manufacturer you can think of made a whole lot more cars. <laughs> Just pick one model. Uh, yeah. Well, like yes. Pick a, a Rav Camry, 4. a Rav Four, an F one fifty. That, by the way, there will be one per minute of this podcast of F one fifties being made. One per minute. Shooting out of the end of the factory. So I know I'm asking the question nobody can answer, and I know one of you is going to say, because Tesla is the future. But why are they worth more than every other car company that makes far more of the product? And the thinking is those companies are old. I've heard it. I'm shaking I've, my head I've, over here. I've read all the articles. I've, I've, I've read the angry emails. Those companies are backward looking and they're dinosaurs and Tesla is the future. But the, the value does not equal the product, which leads you back to your point, which you might be right. They might just be a company that sells stock. That's all they, they do. They certainly are a company that successfully has tied an idea and an image into a stock. Very much so. Because look, it's not like they're, it's not like vaporware. It's not Faraday Future. There, there's a product that exists, and the product works a certain way, and it works differently than other products in the same space of cars. Absolutely, but ultimately, you're selling a dream. You please get on board because this is where everything's going, and that's the way the stock seems to move because it's not connected to any kind of reality of budget sheets, line items, whether or not we're in the black or the red, and how many product we actually moved. No. It's. No. It, the, the basic economics courses, sorry, I'm on a rant, that you take in high school, the like <laughs> most basic cost, demand, supply, these basic concepts that you're taught in high school have absolutely no connection to Tesla. My favorite thing is trying to watch – well, I, I watch analysts who are trying to struggle to explain the reason for the shooting up of the stock. I mean it does have dips and it goes down, but then it – 
inadvertently goes the other direction. Mm-hmm. It just goes mm-hmm. up. And these analysts, you know, they, they know it all. <laughs> That's what they're paid for. They're paid to know it all. And now they're going. And I'm going, um, I can see it in your eyes. You don't have any clue. You don't have the first idea <laughs> why. You can't tell me. But maybe Apple and Hyundai are here to offer us an alternative dream. Maybe. I, I should Maybe say, that's it. I should say for any of you that are wondering, neither you nor I have Tesla stock, nor no, stock in I car companies. Yeah, full we, disclosure. We I consider it stock, a complete yes. conflict of interest. So whether the stock goes yes. up or down is not relevant yes. to our bottom line whatsoever. For sure, for sure. But we will still read your angry email. <laughs> Cutler Colin 99 wrote to us asking, what are our thoughts, what are my thoughts on the GM's new logo that has just okay. been introduced? Okay. GM has introduced, unveiled a brand new logo. Who hasn't? Didn't Kia do one a week before? Kia did one. I like the Kia one a lot. Kia actually. one's cool, but it isn't is everybody nice. just decide? Well, and BMWs did a new one that now apparently has no yeah. solid rondelle, and Nissan's done a new. Who hasn't done a new logo yet? Uh, Porsche hasn't. True. Mercedes is still the you know. Yeah, Mercedes is just yeah. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, anyway, yes. Moving on, I saw an online comment from somebody named David Mirrors, who okay. is a mobility futurist and designer. I've had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. He's also the executive director for Operation Wheels of Freedom, OWOFF dot com. Okay, directed towards our U.S. military, and uh, like David, great guy. And his quote was, "What a great opportunity for General General Motors to not only redesign their logo, but also to redesign their name." The GM oh. should stand for general mobility and reflect the future of the industry, consumers, and their employees. Hmm. Quote, unquote, motors will continue to be less and less important in the future of transportation. End quote. Hmm. The new GM logo will feature a variety of different colors, according to GM, including several blue <laughs> tones, the latter of which is intended to evoke the clean skies of a zero emissions future and the energy of the Ultium platform. And the underlined M is intended to look like an electrical outlet. All right. How much are we enjoying that marketing speak? Now, that to my own opinion. And rewritten and re-rewritten version. It is lowercase, or it appears to be lowercase now. It does, yes. Let's talk about film production companies. And almost okay. every logo I've seen is uppercase, even yeah. a larger uppercase letter followed by mm-hmm. smaller letters following the first letter, but sure. they're also uppercase. It's that, you know, that technique. Yeah, yeah. It's either or, but they're all always projecting this strength, mm-hmm. this power mm-hmm. and legacy. And I think that G needs to be uppercase because the M, I understand, okay, I get the electrical outlet thing. It could be perceived as uppercase, but I think the G needs to be uppercase because mm-hmm. now that lowercase, the tail of the G has interfered with the underline. So now only M is underlined, mm-hmm. which to me makes, I disagree with David's quote because motor is more apt towards electricity and electric motors. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think yeah. it's more apt than ever before and more fitting than ever before. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way they're going. Sure, sure, sure. But now it just underlines the M, and I think that projects the strength on the M, and it loses the power of the the general. And so I think that G needs to be uppercase, because now with those soft radius corners, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's too internet-y. It does look like an internet app, it's doesn't it? It's too cloud appy. Looks like an internet app. You're right. Yeah. This is a, com- a legacy car company. I know they kept the, the underline. It's still a box, and it's still a... Here's your logo. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, it feels cloud-based. It feels like it, uh, 
you know, a marketing tool for online databases <laughs> of I can't explain what with yes. servers located all over the world. And we now store your email. Yeah. General Motors. We're yeah. just a data harvesting company to help you do the finance of your marketing of the mm-hmm. what? What do you do? What? What is it you do? And people subscribe to you. No, we're a car company. We've been yeah. around a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a lot of cool brands. Well, look at something. I mean, this is the obvious one, but look at Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coca-Cola has had some variation of the same, if you will, dated logo forever, but they've been around a while. They have. They, 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 I don't know if you've noticed, but they've been here a while. Wells Fargo. Been around since the actual stagecoach. <laughs> That's true. That's Guess true. what? That font looks like it could still go on a stagecoach. Yeah, true. There is something to be said for connecting to where you've been in the logo. That's an interesting question. Here's one for you. You realize it's been it's been at least twenty years, maybe even thirty years, since you saw anything that said Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh my gosh, you're right. Because they all went KFC. Because when everybody got scared of fried food, they didn't want fried in their name. Yeah. So they changed from Kentucky Fried Chicken, which that's what it used to say on their restaurants, to KFC only. You know what KFC is, but you don't have to say the word fried. Interesting. One of the best logos to my eye is still the FedEx logo. The negative space Mm -hmm. formed between the words is a directional arrow. If you Mm -hmm. haven't seen it, you will never unsee it at this point. Every time you see the FedEx logo, one of the best, cleanest, most simple, Mm -hmm. effective logos I've ever seen designed. Yeah. And that is still around. It's been around a long time. So with the GM logo, I think it's almost there. It's just too internet-y. It's too cloud-based. And that's not even the car you buy. I I didn't buy a GM. I bought a Chevy. You're right. And what about... At, since we're designing logos, create Corvette as, a, as its own brand and just use whatever logo you want. And now it's, you know, another brand with more models. And let's just go ahead and go there. Maybe GM can figure out how to make that name more interstellar, like Stellantis. Oh, the Stellantarians are coming. The Stellantarians. Those are the employees out. of Stellantis. They're coming. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Topic Tuesday comes to us from Ted G. in Macon, Georgia, writing Mm -hmm. to us, asking about real numbers in a hypothetical land. Oh, yeah. He says, last week he spent $550 on new tires, the Toyo Extensa HP2s, after driving 75,000 miles and two years on the factory set. Hmm. He also bought a $35 driver's side windshield wiper, got a $90 oil change with Mobile One Synthetic at the usual 7,000, 7,500 mile mark. Mm Mm-hmm. He says he then did a 375-mile Italian tune-up road trip with his daughter going from Macon, middle of the state, up through Atlanta, up to North Georgia, for a twisty run from the town of Tate through Dawsonville, home of awesome Bill and Chase Elliott, to Dahlonega, and then back home. Okay. High revs, long runs, twisty roads, and fun speeds, which brings him to two questions. He says, we've often timed, you know, have generalized numbers for costs and speeds for obvious reasons. We have to have benchmarks for various things for comparison purposes. 
But living in the real world, we need plausible deniability and don't need to admit anything more than necessary. Are you saying you're speeding without saying you're speeding, Ted? I'm trying to read between the lines here. I think uh, that might have happened. Well, he's he's calling us out. He's saying daily triple is a stretch towards self-incrimination. Yes, but I will explain our thinking there. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. So let's go to the hypothetical world where it's safe to admit such things. Okay. In this world where for his base 2.0 2019 Veloster, his maintenance costs are simply the usual gas, oil, and tires and the occasional transmission fluid, what are the costs for owning a German car? Okay. Equivalent. And also in this land of hypotheticals and no speed limits, what are speeds? Yeah. What should they be? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. What is the speed in an actual performance car? And at what speed are you limited by your surroundings like other cars and animals stepping out from the woods and you're not on a track? And <laughs> what if you have a mechanical failure near an open field and you smash into a wall or a ravine with trees? This reminds me, you and I have both had this experience with our respective fathers. <laughs> where we were driving quickly and in totally, totally separate moments. Each of our fathers asked the same question, which makes me think, what was going on early on in your driving life? But they both asked us, aren't you worried about blowing a tire? Yeah, my dad said, do you pop a tire? I'm uh, thinking, that's never crossed my mind once. Could it possibly happen? Yes, and I also could slip and die in the shower this morning. It's possible. (laughs) We could also get struck by lightning coming home from this drive. True. Very a true. meteor could crash and hit the back of the car. All of these Death things are technically possible. Yes. But I'm not driving along thinking, what if I blew a tire? But back to yeah. Ted's point, though, I think there is another thing, and I, I want to talk more to what he's asking because I think he's asking about usability of performance in here, too. Okay, I think fair there's enough. a layer of that in here. But okay, how fast you you as an individual drive has everything to do with your background and your fears. And I yes. am not. I am absolutely yes. not pointing fingers and say you need to drive faster. I'm absolutely not doing that. I'm Slow not doing poke. It. Yeah. No, and I'm actually say, not saying your fears are unwarranted, even though the chances of you blowing a tire are slim. In spite of this, okay, you have to drive in a where in an area where you feel you're within your abilities and your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are on a track or on a road where you want to try to expand yourself a bit, I'm all for that too. And the same reason we go to the gym and we work out and we try to do more than we did the last time. I get it. But you have to stay within parameters that you feel comfortable in, especially on public roads, because of the unknown factors that are there. Ted, I am all for speed limits in my neighborhood. The speed limit in my neighborhood is 25 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. There are many couples walking. There's people walking their dogs. Mm-hmm. And there's kids playing. There's kids on the long boards rolling down the hill. There's kids riding bikes. Stuff is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am absolutely I, – I want to be a stickler. I want to throw things at people when they blast past my house. I'm going <laughs> – Get off my lawn and slow down. <laughs> it's a neighborhood. It's yeah. 25 miles an hour. Respect that because of the proximity of things around you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus Interstate 15. And now I'm talking our own home state, Utah. Yeah, yeah. South of Salt Lake City as it opens up into the open road, Mm -hmm. the the speed limit changes to 80 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Now, as a side note, a broad generalization, I have met and talked to enough law enforcement officers and police officers to know and to glean this, and that is 11 miles an hour over the speed limit on a freeway, you're okay. At 12 miles an hour over, you're mine. (laughs) I got your butt. Your butt is mine. Okay. 
Now, that's a broad generalization. It depends on weather, time of day, traffic around you, and the officer's discretion and Absolutely. how are they feeling about it and if you're being an idiot as you go past them. Well, and if everybody is doing the speed limit or below and you're doing 11 miles over the speed limit, you'll probably get tagged. Yes. Five miles over the speed limit might get tagged. You might get tagged. You're moving with traffic and all the traffic's doing 90. They're probably not going to try to tackle everybody. Right, right. This is a very broad generalization. Yeah. Please correct me if you think I'm wrong. Uh, we'll get emails. We're, this is going to be an email-filled podcast. I think I just, so. I, I'm feeling it already. So knowing that, if you're if the speed limit's 65, you can go 74, you can go 75, and maybe 76. Get away with it. I'll camp out at 74, mm-hmm. maybe 75, and I think... I'm probably pretty good. I've driven past enough police officers by the side of the road mm-hmm. waiting for speeders, mm-hmm. and I've driven right past them. The car hasn't moved. Yeah. yeah. So it comes from experience and talking to people, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, apply that to a taller speed limit, okay? So at 80, theoretically, I could go 91, <laughs> if you've and ever the driven, officer wouldn't pull me over. If you've ever driven through central Utah, if you ever drive through central Utah on I-15, I'm going to back Paul's play here. <laughs> There is not a soul <laughs> doing not less than 85. Yeah. And the big lifted suburban with the knobby tires might pass you at 91. Yeah. You'll hear him coming yeah. because he's got the big knobby tires at a four-foot lift kit, and it's – there he went. It's like, wow, I thought I was going quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, now the 18-wheeler semis are going 82 to yes. 86. Yes. And I am adamant about not hanging around those guys. Mm-hmm. If they are going faster than me, great. Let them go by. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be in their blind spot three-quarter or just slowly make my way past them and For finally. The next miles. I've also never understood drivers who just slowly creep past them. And as soon as they get just ahead of them, they nail the throttle and they spear out into the next lane so they can pull over to the right and let you buy. Yeah. Like, why didn't you go that fast to pass the truck? <laughs> why did you pass the truck with a purpose? Just let me buy. Yeah. Side note. So these trucks are going fast too, and I don't want to hang around them. I think mm-hmm. it's unsafe. I'm in their blind spot. I just want to leave them alone. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. generally speaking, especially if there's many trucks and I want to get around them and get past them, you bet I'm going to touch 100. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I am. It. I see it. Yeah, yeah. And if I get pulled over, I will explain to the police officer and say, I was trying to get out of what I felt like was an unsafe situation. I wanted to get away from the truckers. I wanted to get back out, and I had clear road ahead of me. It was a bright, sunny day and whatever, and I, I just wanted to get around them, and, and then I slowed back down. You caught me when I was in passing speed, and if we're talking hypothetical, but you can probably tell I'm not really because I've done this a lot, and I'm admitting to it. I'm going to say something controversial, though I'm not the first to say it. Okay. Speeding is barely illegal. I mean, it's... Uh, Break that down. On, on the world of offenses, speeding is a fine. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I mean, with... Look, I, I am not... I'm not taking away the following realities. Cars are large objects. A large, a large object moving quickly is now dangerous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that 50 and 100, that 100 is twice as dangerous as 50. It's twice as fast. I agree to that. It's not twice as dangerous. Okay, yes. witness the Autobahn. Um, and I'm the Autobahn. Touch on Germany. Totally. The Autobahn is, is very controversial. By the way, only about 40% of Germany has de-restricted. By the way, that's not the letter D in the word restricted. That means no <laughs> restrictions, sans restrictions. They have removed all restrictions. Only about 40% of Germany has a de-restricted Autobahn. But what's fascinating about driving over there is the number of people that don't drive that fast. Yeah. 
Exactly. You can can get all the way in the left lane and you can be American idiots or, in some cases, locals that have (laughs) got somewhere to be. Yes. You can go as fast as the floorboard will allow. Yes. But the average person is not driving that fast because we're back to comfort zone. And I have also heard officers say to us that what's noticeable about speeders is not the speed but car attitude. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you are going slightly faster than traffic, controlled, not cutting people off, not doing anything dangerous other than going a few miles faster than everybody else, you're not really worth it. Right. And you're also, let's be honest, not really an endangerment. This this equal sign between faster is always more dangerous, I don't believe that. I don't. Mm-hmm. But we do have a system that has limits. And again, the reason I say it's barely illegal is because if it was illegal to speed, they'd get you at 56 miles an hour. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. There, there is, There's a gray area. Well, there's also hills and variable speeds constantly while you're driving, even on short, short trips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is why I look at it not just a suggestion because it is the law and that is the speed limit. It's a, a continuous maintenance of that speed around that because – if I'm at 36 miles an hour in a 35 zone, I'm breaking the law suddenly. Mm-hmm. Is that worth it for an officer to pull me over at 36 miles an hour? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And somebody else is going 37 and barely creeping past me. We're both in the 35 mile an hour speed zone. Are, are we? Wow, we are lawbreakers, man. Well, but there's a flip side, and that is you have to be aware of the fact. Have you ever seen somebody pulled over for going too slow? You've heard these stories. Yes. If the if the freeway speed is 55 and everybody's doing 65 and you want to drive 45, you're now the dangerous one. Absolutely. This is not a – this is – by the way, I'm hearing more typing. This is not a black and white reality in any way. In spite of the fact that the speed limit sign is black and white, yeah. <laughs> nothing about this is black and white. There's hills. You start going down a hill. Suddenly, whoa, I'm well past the speed limit. So I brake. I get over to the right. Maybe somebody wants to go faster. I'm still exceeding the speed limit. Mm-hmm. But because cars go slower up hills and because they get faster down hills, I think everyone has exceeded the speed limit. And therefore, everyone is a lawbreaker. <laughs> everyone. Take all of our licenses. Yeah. I've met nobody who has not exceeded the speed limit just by virtue of the weight of the car. It pulls me over the top of the hill, and before I can transition onto the brake, I'm above the speed limit. Whoops. Man, am I a criminal. Everybody has experienced this. And conversely, when you're going up a hill, it's like the speed limit's 65 here. You've dipped below 50. Push on that gas. You haven't noticed that your car has slowed dramatically because your foot's the same position on the throttle. Hello? Yeah. Go up the hill. Get out of the way. Go. You're causing a problem. You're causing traffic. So because of the weight of cars, because of momentum, and because mm-hmm. even cruise control on ups and downs and hills and valleys and around co- corners and curves and that kind of stuff, the speed varies constantly. I challenge you to watch how much your speed varies in dramatically. Yeah. And you haven't broken the speed limit. You've gone 35 the whole way. Not true. Interesting point. So then what can we call it? Where, where do we end up here? Yeah, Ted, Are we all lawbreakers? Yes, we all are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Ted, when we make the joke about Daily Triple, I, I think that gives off the impression that Paul and I leave the neighborhood at 100 miles an hour. I, I think it just we gives, don't. Off the, <laughs> gives off or, that impression. More you importantly, know? 
You don't? Yeah, exactly. What, what, what the heck am I not doing that for? Uh, but keep in mind, I'm also the guy that I like small, lightweight sports cars that don't typically are all that powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay? So 100 might be, a, be an event. Mm-hmm. Okay? But if, if, if I've ever gone that fast, there's nobody around. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I decided to go 100 on the freeway. I, I've right. seen, we've all seen the videos of course. where somebody has some huge, very high power car and they pull up next to a huge, another huge high power car on the freeway with other traffic scattered Stupidity. around and they decide they're going to drag race each other. I'm going to go with no. Yeah. Have I driven the speeds they will probably achieve in that drag race? I have. Have I done it anywhere like where they were? Absolutely not. Did right. I see somebody within a mile of me either way when I was going super fast? Nope, except for on the Autobahn. Right. So, right. Uh, the, I mean, you kind of asked this question. You've kind of asked three or four others. I'm going to pivot for a second, Ted, and ask, ask this reality. There is no equivalent for fun versus a set speed. Okay. You could have fun in your car at a 20-mile-an-hour corner, and you can have fun in your car at 150. True. It doesn't mean which one was more fun. There's no correlation. It has no connection whatsoever. You and I went out to the salt flats. By the way, nobody else was around. We went out to the salt flats and went as fast as we could go, and it was crazy fun because, are you kidding me? You had a Maserati on the salt flats. I had a Phaeton on the salt flats. Yeah. We went as fast as we could go. But you know what? Those cars were those cars made us laugh at 20, too. When, why did that light come on? And Look, there's another check engine light. But I don't think, Ted, you've got a lot of little things we could unpack here. This could be a topic Tuesday for like three episodes. I know. I, um, know. I don't think that... You going around a corner at twice this posted speed limit in your Veloster is much slower than somebody that's gone around there in a Ferrari hmm. or pick your supercar. Okay. I think the average driver in the average performance car probably hits double the posted speed limit on a back road. I'm talking sports cars now. Sure. sure. Okay. Because in general, here's the thing to think about speed limits on a back road. Somebody has sat down, a road planner has sat down and gone the biggest overloaded 18-wheeler approaches this corner, what's their max speed? Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to post it at 15. Yes. You come along in a Miata, you don't have to go 15. <laughs> you can go but, above 30, more than twice the posted. But, but the discussion here is the fact that they have set up a, at this speed, everybody makes it. Right. That's the, that's the back road thing. Right. But I also think, back to, to your uh, double, double speed limit comment, if you are in a Miata and you do 30 miles an hour on a posted 15-mile-an-hour corner, I don't think the guy in the super-hot GTR did much more than that. Mm-hmm. Do I think the GTR could go faster? Of course. Do I think the average driver did? Probably not. That we, We've had this side-note discussion lots of times, and that is I don't think there is also a correlation between the amount of money spent and the amount of fun you had. Agreed. If you were driving down this road, Ted, and you felt like, I did twice the speed limit on some of these corners, and that was enough for me. I had fun. I can't believe it. Did you believe brand new tires on this Veloster? Can you believe how well this did? That was super fun. You had a great drive, Ted. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the speed was. Right. You right. did it safely. You felt comfortable, and the car surprised you. Good day. A few more wrap-up thoughts here, Ted. First of all, Germany, when we come back, because the rules are so strict, they're, the de-restricted privilege comes with a very restrictive privilege in town. When they say 30 kilometers an hour, they don't mean 31. We have been sent tickets after pilgrimage because we have yes. done the American thing and gone through a small town that was posted at uh, 40, 40 kilometers an hour, and right. you and I did 42, and we got a ticket. We got mail. nabbed, for sure. Yep. 
cameras, there's cops, but out here. So that's the balance. That's an interesting point. They give you this freedom over here, but then they take it away in towns where they should take it away. And Mm -hmm. they mean 15 kilometers an hour. They mean it. Mm -hmm. And you will get busted. Now, with the future of high horsepower electric cars coming, mm-hmm. we have Dodge Hellcat everything. We have Mercedes AMG everything <laughs> and M competition almost everything. Yeah. In addition to cars that are many cars above 350, 400 horsepower, all of those cars can easily exceed the speed limit. Oh my gosh, yes. And they sell like crazy. And they will continue to be sold. And future electric cars will be sold predicated on the very fact that they have a 1,000 horsepower. <laughs> that you'll never use. And the yeah. speed limits will be the same That's for point. everybody. Good point. What then? What do we do? So where do you drive them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You'll use them for acceleration. You'll use them when it is, is appropriate and you need to go up to 105 miles an hour to get past the semi just to get out of there, to leave him alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And get out of an, a potentially unsafe situation. I'm all for it. I would absolutely explain to the officer and the officer can give me a ticket if they like. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm thinking I was safe. I got around you. I left that behind because I don't want to cruise along in your blind spot. You could come over at any sure, time. Sure. Sure. You could hit a piece of metal that could, you know, ricochet into me or mm-hmm. something could happen. I don't like sitting around the trucks. Mm-hmm. I want to get past. Don't hang out next to the trucks. And so to get away from them, absolutely, I will exceed the speed limit to get then get back down to, you know, hopefully I'm by myself again or in a, in a small pack of cars that, you know, yeah, isn't, yeah, yeah. isn't as, doesn't feel as dangerous. And what's really crazy, Ted, in all of this, this, this thing lurking behind all of this discussion that I find fascinating, all of you listening, I don't care what you drive. It doesn't matter in this discussion because I guarantee you, whatever you personally drive, it is more capable than you ever imagined. Indeed. It is faster than you think. It will take a corner better than you think. Uh, it's one of the things I always enjoy at people's first track days or first autocrosses yeah. is the the shock that's revealed in, I didn't know my car could do that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care what you brought. Yeah. It can be the family minivan. It could be the Camry. I did, Everything is more capable than you can ever imagine. And if you look at, jump back 20 years, scroll through, I mean, they're all online, scroll through the zero to 60 times hmm. of sports cars and supercars 20 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. Then if, if, if you just want a fun it's hobby, try laughable. this. Now start looking at laughable. those in comparison to modern cars that are sold, and you'll see how many things that are just mundane exceed all those speeds. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Camrys that can just... Torch a Ferrari from Absolutely. the 90s. Absolutely. You, can't, you can get a Camry with around 300 horsepower. Pon- yeah. Just ponder that reality for a second. <laughs> a 300 horsepower Camry. I just The, the Countach had a yes. 0 to 60 in the fives. Mm. In the fives. Mm. I, think, I think late models got like a 4.8. And, and the car let you know it, it was working hard and you it know, wasn't happy with that. 4.8 is, is laughable at this point. Yeah. I mean, in the world of supercars, I'm saying. 4.8 is still genuinely fast. Yeah. But that's about what my Lotus does. <laughs> and now there's Mercedes. And my AMG, Lotus does not have a V10, can, by the way. Yeah. Click, click, click. I have, what? 130? Well, how did. The, wow. I like this car. When you send us a Mercedes GLS AMG S <laughs> that is the size <laughs> the of a Suburban G- with 23 yes, inch PS4s on it. <laughs> Speeds will be attained with that 600 horsepower. I'm just saying, speeds will be attained. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com is the place to send us your topic Tuesday. Ted, thank you so much for writing to us.
DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform you've ever heard of. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving in some very special cars. That way, renters can find cars that bring out their driving joy in every moment, while owners earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise over to driveshare.com or download their app for iOS and Android. That's driveshare.com. Tyler R. just wrote to us. He started listening a few months ago after searching for more podcasts to binge at work. Thank you, Tyler, for writing and listening. Really appreciate it. It is the highlight of his shift stocking in the grocery store That's cool. and working at the body shop. That's cool. All right. I like it. He needs help deciding on what the new daily will be. He's 18, One, which two, means three, he's four, been five. driving for two years. Eight cars. Eight in two years. cars. The 2000-something Oldsmobile Intrigue intrigued me. <laughs> the fact that you have that is the low light of the list. An Infinity G thirty five Auto, a WRX Subaru five speed, and a currently a two thousand four Chevy Silverado fifteen hundred, the Z seventy one package. But the BMWs that he's had, he's had four BMWs, and he's eighteen. I'm shaking my head because I'm not. I feel like the, the rest work. of us are quitters. I I didn't try. Clearly, no, I, I failed at life by eighteen. Yeah. A 1993 325i S five-speed, a 96 318i automatic, Mm -hmm. a 2007 BMW 335e90 automatic, and what he also currently has is a 95 E36 M3 five-speed in that Daytona Violet. Hmm. He even sent us photos. He did send us photos. It's a a great-looking car. But everything he had, he purchased to kind of turn around and flip. This is what's happened for the last couple of years. For all I know, you started this at the age of 12, and I need to be frightened for my son. But that's a separate thing. But you, you were purchasing <laughs> all of these. next year. Yeah, exactly. And that. flipping cars to achieve your goal, which is you wanted to own an E36 M3, and now you do. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is um, uh, you can't leave cars alone. <laughs> um, you buy them, you tune them, you change them, you put stuff in them, you put them up on the lift. I mean, you work at a body shop. You just keep doing stuff to cars. This M3 is going nowhere. It also is becoming less and less of kind of a reliable, usable daily because you just can't stop. Well, get this. He's been tossing around the idea of selling a Silverado after almost three years of ownership. Tyler, as soon as you toss around the idea of selling a car, it's gone. <laughs> Welcome to the Everyday Driver Podcast. And that car's gone. But he's considering buying another BMW to keep his E36 company. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, I'm laughing at you, but I also love you. It's fantastic. Keep going. (laughs) He's got his eyes on an N55 355i or an N54 335is. This is BMW's engine codes. Mm -hmm. Okay, So this is uh, a 3 Series, obviously. You have passed the test as a BMW fan. Indeed. You know engine codes. I'm still looking them up. So bravo. Yeah. Now he's hesitant to sell the truck because he knows every morning it'll start right up and take him to work. Gas mileage sucks, it rides terribly, and it's just really big. And get this, he's got an 80-mile commute round trip to work two days a week. He's got a one-mile commute to work at his other job four days a week, and he's going to be commuting a lot more soon. And as much as he'd like to take the M3 to work every day, it's not practical. Because most of the time it's on jack stands. He's doing the mod thing, mm-hmm. and he'd like to keep miles off of it. It's got 213,000 miles. Currently, yes. But it is, is his fun analog 90s time capsule that he loves for spirited driving. The truck has been good to him, but he rarely finds himself needing a truck for very much. It's lifted loud and ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> lifted loud and ignorant. I, that's a fantastic description. I can see it. I can see it and hear it, actually, yeah. <laughs> but it is a very clean example of these trucks at just 100,000 miles. 
Anybody listening need a 1500 Silverado Z71 yep. 4x4 with just 100,000 miles? Mm-hmm. Let us know. We'll tell Tyler. What I do like about this setup for the truck, though, is I have to go back to his great comment here that I love where he says he's hesitant to sell his truck because he knows every morning it will start right up. The subtext there is (laughs) the BMW won't. Right, right. So so the the reality is the truck is the old reliable in this situation. Yes, yes. It is the thing that he knows he can count on, but he also knows he doesn't need and could get rid of. I, right there, Tyler, I'm going to say to you, don't get another BMW. Mm-hmm. You have a BMW that you love, that you fought for, that you flipped cars to get to. It's your favorite color. You're modding it like crazy. Stop. That's your BMW. <laughs> don't add one because what I think you're going to do is add something else that you won't stop modifying. And you'll just exacerbate the problem of which one's going to start this morning. Yeah. He's afraid if he buys another BMW, he'll just continue to mod that one. Yes, you will. It's clear. Yes, you will. And then it will lose its daily ability. Yes, it will. Stop. Tyler, then you'll have two BMWs on jack stands. That, and both of them you don't want to put miles on. And now you're walking right. to work, which on the days you have to go 80 miles is going to take a while. I am in full agreement with Todd. Sell the truck mm-hmm. and get something completely different mm-hmm. and not a BMW and leave your M3 just as your only project car. Mm-hmm. You have a long time, Tyler, to do project cars and work yes. on this one and yes. drive over the things because you have car needs and you do need that reliable thing <laughs> and you need to pay less money for gas and it doesn't seem like you need a truck anymore. Maybe if you're doing like, I, I need to carry a transmission in the bed on a pallet, maybe. But, it, but that's not his life, clearly. Yeah, Right, but yeah, surely yeah. you know somebody else with a truck. Or you can rent one at Home Depot or something. Yes, you can. All of the above. He says, I like German cars, but it's probably smart I consider Japanese cars for a daily. Well, at least not German. Let's just do that. You have an American truck that's worked great for you. You would prefer to have a rear-wheel drive car, coupe, or sedan, and some modern luxury creature comforts. Mm-hmm. Because, again, your BMW is an E36. It is quite old. <laughs> he currently gets 14 miles a gallon in the truck. And something we haven't revealed yet is that Tyler is six foot six. So you do not fit in everything. That is clear. Yes. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to fit in everything, if you're just listening out there, you're you're still growing, you're still you're not current height, you want to stop about five nine. I don't know how <laughs> right. you have any control over that. I don't know if you hold yourself back. We're gonna stop at five nine, you'll fit in everything. That's right. Every car is for you. And if you yeah. have a size nine foot size, that is the sample size, the standard sample size for shoe companies. So all their samples are size nine shoes. They just make them in size nine. They just land it on size nine. So all their cast-offs are size nine. So if you know somebody working at a shoe company, you can ask them for their samples and get free shoes. Side note. By the way, Tyler, I dug into a Bimmerfest forum comment. User EDYCOL said oh, that no. 335 has the two engines that you named. The N54 is good for bumping power, but it's less reliable. And the N55, due to the open deck architecture... Cannot be bumped that much. Okay. So right. something to keep in mind. But we've already established you're not getting either of those Don't get cars. another BMW. You have this right. E36 that you love, which is great. Have you seen our Icon film, by the way? We drove all the M3s, and we threw in a 1M and an M2 just for good measure. Have you seen that? We liked the E36. We had a couple in there, and uh, and those, those were good. But uh, very curious about what's – just a side note, just a side note. What's your next BMW? What's the one above the E36 that you're lusting after? I'm sure he already has one. Because I'm sure you know of one. And I'm just wondering, keep your current E36 and work toward that one versus buy another one. Let's go somewhere else. (laughs) Since we've established no more BMWs because you got one. Yes. And I do think you should slide the spectrum of sacrifice scale to the opposite side of a truck. 
pickup okay. truck. All right, all right. And since you gave us a budget of fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand capped for me, <laughs> I considered a Hyundai Veloster N. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Brand new, they're twenty nine thousand dollars. Used, they're twenty four thousand dollars. That's a twenty nineteen model in Tampa, mm-hmm. Florida, with twenty four thousand miles. Mm. They are a manual, but that DCT is available. But it's not as the, the price isn't as low. They're just not rear wheel drive. But yes, it would still work great, though. I started there. Then I went to a Civic Si. It's okay. in manual only, and you said you don't really need or want a manual because of the commute. But I mm-hmm. think you'd still enjoy it. New, they're twenty five thousand dollars. Used, they're probably about your top end of your budget, twenty grand. And then I thought, well, let's just complete the middles episode, which is coming on YouTube. <laughs> this week, in fact, yes. Volkswagen GTIs cannot be ignored for fifteen to $20,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you said, maybe I need to consider something else. You mentioned Japanese, but I think you should throw all that out okay. and get a Fiat 500 Abarth because they're ten grand or twelve grand. Oh. And they're snorty and they're fun and they're tiny. They're angry. They're, they're mm-hmm, cool. They're... Mm-hmm. They're a connoisseur's choice in a weird, yeah, weird way. I see it. I see it. Yeah. In a parallel universe of some sort. <laughs> I want to save you money because you're 18, you're working your butt off, two yeah. jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got this commute. And this is going to be the car that feels modified, but comes that way from the factory. I see it. All right, all right. And used, it's just this cool little thing. Mm-hmm. You'll get mm-hmm. better gas mileage than 14. Yes, you will. I, I yeah. can pretty much guarantee that. Yeah, for sure. But I just want you to have this fun little thing because your your M3 is the – you should install lights over it when it's probably on its has. jack stand so it goes ah. – it, pro- it probably has the speakers in the walls too so True. it does that. Exactly. You open the garage and the lights come on and Here's it's not quite M3. Michael Bay but you're headed there. You're, it's like like early days of it's Michael like Bay. mini Bay. Yeah, they're perfect, like yes. That. So that car is your fun car. You've got 400 rear wheel horsepower in that thing. You've mm-hmm, got a mm-hmm. two – you've got a – all your money and investment and time and pleasure in that car. And it is a great color, by the way. It's very cool. Yeah. But then here's the commuter. It's still fun. It's still interesting. It's still inexpensive and less than you want to pay. Because yeah. as much as I'd like the middles, any of the middles for you, I I thought, how about we go back? Let's back up mm-hmm. the budget even more. And what is still fun? A Fiat 500 Abarth. That's very good. Very good. Tyler, a couple of things here. First off, I love where Paul went. You said you want rear-wheel drive. I'm going to give you some options. But here's the thing that I love about where Paul went. He didn't spend all your money. Your e- your e- <laughs> That'll go into the M3. By the way. Leftover money. By, exactly. By the yeah. way, Paul didn't spend all your money. That I is know. a big note. Somebody put a little asterisk by this po- podcast episode because Paul did not spend the budget. In fact, he barely spent half. But the key thing here is we know that you're putting money to E36. There's a lot of merit in you not spending all the money that you have here. Mm-hmm. And yes. I do think that where the fun and low-cost meet is little front-wheel drive hatchbacks. That's not what you've asked for. Right. But right. it's absolutely – I think I totally get why you went there, Paul, because that, that is absolutely where those two things meet. If you really are stuck on rear-wheel drive for this next car, you do have options. You could get yourself, yes, a Mustang or a Camaro for mm-hmm. your money. Less than twenty grand, done, easy. Which do you prefer? You have Chevy background with your Silverado. Do you want? A, do you want a Camaro? You could get. Look, you're going to want the V8s. Sure. You could not get a V8. <laughs> Honestly, you know what you could do is not. You could get a, a an EcoBoost Mustang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, yes, can still be tuned. So you, as a tuner, could still do. That. That's so what I'm trying to that. avoid. The whole. I know this I car agree. could be tuned I as agree. well. I'm trying to avoid that. I temptation. don't want you to, Tyler, but I think you're going to want to. 
but you could get yourself uh, anything other than a V8 Camaro, but you're going to want the V8, let's be honest. And honestly, those cars in V8 for less than twenty grand are still going to get better gas mileage than your Silverado. So those are out there. Another thing that's out there that feels to me like your sensibility in commuter car is the 04 to 06 Pontiac GTO. There it is. There it is. It's got the big yeah. V8 you had in your, in your truck. It's got GM bones to it. It's going to be very reliable. They're absolutely available for your budget. Rear-wheel drive. Get it in the auto if you want. I mean, I think you'd want the six-speed, but get it in the auto, okay? And just use that as a commute car. It'll get better gas <laughs> yes. mileage in your truck. It's, that is, honestly, that is a fantastic commute car for you with your sensibilities and what you like. And I do think that's just going to start every morning. And just going to run. And resist the temptation to put a supercharger on it. Just, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Or change the cam and get 600 naturally aspirated horsepower. And it Tyler, I'm, I'm telling you, it's fine. Now, yes. I'm going to go another place here. And many of you are shaking your heads when I say it. But, Tyler, have you really? Why have you not considered an 86? A sure. BRZ or sure. an FRS? Sure. Back seats, 30 miles to the gallon, rear wheel drive. You're going to drive it? And you're going to wish it was more powerful. And it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> it's tunable, and that's why I didn't suggest it. I know. Keep your focus on that BMW. And here's the thing I will submit to you. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Tyler. You may not like this, but I'm going to say it. I think if you had an 86, you would find it outperforms your E36. Not in power, but I think handling-wise, you'd keep going, this handles really well. Mm. But yet it's just going to be your Japanese car workhorse. It just starts in the morning and it runs and you put gas in it and you put oil in it and that's all it ever needs. And because they started them in 2013 and the 2013s, by the way, are cheap, it's got modern conveniences. It's got, in some cases, Apple CarPlay. How new are you going? All of that said, I think the answer is to get a completely new experience and go hot hatchback like Paul did. Jump into questions here. Let's see. Adrian Holden, 709, would love to see a Dirtfish TV episode. Track driving content is always awesome, but some rallying would be cool too. Full disclosure, we're working on something for 2021. We're mm-hmm. thinking rally we'll already, rally, so yeah. you're a step ahead of us in thinking, but we're uh, we're already uh, considering that. So Maybe we can go to uh, Texplex while we're there. I'm thinking Texplex. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. How, what do I... What do I wear? What do I wear? <laughs> it's Texas. Nobody cares. If we go in the summer, as little as possible, because it's going to be so hot, we're going to be just drenched. Is there, is there like a uniform you got to wear when you like you got to look a certain flex. way? Like I'm trying to get it hats. Show up. Is trying to what what I'm. Getting oh, you at. could. Is there? You can. You what do can I need wear. to wear here? If you, if can here's I wear the a thing. ball cap? Here's you. Of course, you can wear a ball cap. But here's the thing: if you're going to show up, just I know you. I know you. <laughs> we're great friends. If you've watched our American original film, which is our Corvette film. The first car we drive is a first-generation Corvette. The whole sequence is in black and white, and Paul is wearing the perfect hat for that car in that era. They looked like they were one. They kept (laughs) driving by us in the camera department. We kept going, that just works, doesn't it? (laughs) That hat's not appropriate. Yeah, that's true. I got that hat. ball cap or possibly a cowboy hat, if you can rock a cowboy hat, don't show up in any other kind of hat. The little right. English driving hats or the nice, no, none of this, none of this, if right. we're going to do hats. Problems will uh, occur yeah. to it's you. Just, it's just not going to work. Anyway, Chase Duncan asks, on a previous podcast, actually the last one, we talked about the seven-seat Jeep Grand Cherokee. His question is, what's the point of making a Grand Cherokee seven-seater when Jeep has already announced the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, which will also be seven seats? A couple of things. First off, I'm certain that the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer are going to be the price point above the Grand Cherokee. Indeed, yes. So that's the big reason. The other thing going on here that we didn't mention last time, but I do want to put it out there, 
These are all related to the Durango. <laughs> it's Jeep styling on a Durango chassis. That exists, that will keep existing. You can amortize out the exact same seven-seat chassis for all of these, trick them out differently and sell them at different price points, and you end up with multiple products. Let's see. What else? Oh, Bradley J. 1983 asks if we've considered a midsize truck comparison, Ranger and Ridgelines and Gladiators or Colorado. Yes, we have, as a matter of fact. We thought about the Tacoma TRD Pro in there. We drove that for a test drive on the Test Drive channel. We thought about it, and when when it you know all comes together kind of thing, I, I think we'd be open to it, but we want to do something different than the typical truckiness kinds of things that you do with it. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. When we just drove all the 1500s a couple seasons right. ago, so we're still mulling that. Downtown, downtown Atlanta, which is not exactly what you think of when you think of trucks, but let's I be mean, honest. Full the of trucks, of, but not uh, what you exactly. do with trucks. Full of, that was the whole why we did it, yeah. because it's full of trucks. Absolutely. Ed Hayes asked on Facebook, he said, can we just swap in our cheap sports cars? We both complained about the seats. Can we just swap the driver and passenger seats out in those cars? I wish it was that easy. <laughs> some cars, depends on the car, some cars don't even have the same plugs for the seats yeah, when you plug them yeah. in and swap them. Other cars can sense that you plugged a passenger seat into the driver's seat and they kind of lose their minds a little bit. Yes. But the biggest problem is the controls for the seats. Yes. yes. Because if you have a passenger seat in the U.S., your passenger seat, your controls for the seat are on the right side of the seat. Mm-hmm. If you put that on the left side of the car, the controls are now pushed up against the center console and you can't even get to them. Yeah. If, that's if, the car didn't lose its mind when you plugged in a Passenger seat on the driver's side. Not going to work. Yeah, there's an amazing amount of stuff under the passenger seats or actually the wiring harness is connected through the seat because of all the stuff that they do Mm -hmm. connected to the nav system. So really your only choice is cars with seats that don't plug into anything. Yes. Indeed. Chris Farrell says, when we shoot our videos, especially the road trip videos, it usually looks like there's very little to no traffic on the road. (laughs) Is that just editing or are we really finding roads that are that empty? Editing. Hard time. <laughs> hard time finding roads aren't fairly crowded most of the time. You're right. We wait for traffic. We call traffic mm-hmm. and a lot of creative editing. That's how. The, the, the amount of time that one of us – no, that's not fair. The amount of time that all of us have spent, whether you're running camera or you're in the car, on the side of the road waiting probably adds up to years of my life at this point where you're just waiting because another RV <laughs> – Oh, I'm sorry. We got a Grand Cherokee on this side. And and right as it clears from one side, somebody on the other side calls out, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, there's a car coming this way. We would be so efficient if all of these roads were empty. We'd get so much stuff done. Oh, there's a lot kidding. of time spent waiting, especially on the road trip things. Because, I mean, you, sometimes you have situations where the road's in the middle of nowhere. We're going to use a two-mile stretch. You can close it down. You can make sure there's no trip. You can do that kind of stuff. When you're road tripping, none of that's possible. So it's just... I'm going to wait. <laughs> I love this question from John Leopold, who's asking, how bad an idea is a Porsche 928? <laughs> I'm so glad you're tackling this. You know I love 928. Yes, you do. You have history. What do you look for and what do you avoid asking for a friend? Of course you are. Mm-hmm. In particular, an S4 or a GTS, he thinks it would offset the Macan and Boxster nicely that he has. That's not a problem, right? The I totally Porsche agree. Porsche garage. Okay. Porsche GT car. Okay. I've had the S4. So the dividing line was 1986. Okay. Okay. That was where, and, and the dividing line is the timing belt. Oh, okay. All right. The early cars didn't have interference engines. So if the timing belt jumps a tooth, the pistons won't hit the valves. Okay. The later cars, 87 on, on up, 
the the belt was seven feet long, and if it jumps a cog <laughs> or it stretches just enough, then the pistons hit the valves, causing you a lot of engine damage, which is why the tensioner, that oil-filled tensioner, mm-hmm. is something that needs to be babied a lot it's and paramount. paid attention to. It's your holy grail piece. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that these are maintenance hogs. You can just drive them, yeah. but you need to pay attention to those kinds of things. Most of these 928s came with an automatic transmission, which was okay. Mm-hmm. The manual in the early cars has long throws. It got a little bit better in the later cars. I think I prefer the manual, but be prepared for a different driving experience. Mm. I don't think they're a bad thing, but they will take maintenance, and they're getting older. All they're, those cars are a lot old older. They're old cars at this point. You're right. That's an interesting point. So you just you have to prepare yourself for things to be done, and the, while you're in there, this it needs this. But there's three or maybe four outfits in the United States that deal only with 928 parts. Mm. So they're scarce, but it's not like you can't get parts. Mm. And I even asked a windshield guy recently, can you get windshields for those things? And he said, yeah, they're older, but you know, you still can. We'll dig one up. We'll dust it off. It'll so be great. You, you, yeah. John, thanks a lot for making me think about them. Yeah, for sure. Now it's on your brain. Shane asked a good question. Shane Mulhern asked this question. Do we advocate well, he said well, he knows we advocate cars of color. Yes, I do. Get a car of a color. But he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do we think that the person driving the car of color is more likely to get pulled over by the police for speeding? Hmm. I don't think this is the case. I'm with you. There, there's, yeah. a, there's a long-running trend that you don't want to buy a red car because you stand out in traffic. And of course, But here's the thing. Now everybody's driving white or gray or monochrome, and it just makes me bored. That's a side note. But honestly, I think the biggest thing is – how are you moving the car? Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. If you have the only bright color, you might be more noticeable in traffic. I totally get that. But whether or not you get pulled over is going to have everything to do with your attitude in the car. I don't mean your personal attitude. You're having a bad day. I mean, how are you moving that car? If you're darting through traffic, yep. you're going to get pulled over. Yep. If you're moving with everybody else, oh, look, there's a yellow car. Agreed. iPoly003 asks if we've seen the rich rebuilds building the LS-swapped Tesla Model S. Freaking brilliant. <laughs> we joked about this forever ago that somebody was going to put a V8 in it. He is in process. I love it. That's fantastic. I just want to see it done mm-hmm. with a single driver in the HOV lane with the you know electric what, vehicle What you have to do is it. you have to buy the one that already has a sticker on it because yep. those are practically gold in California. And no then you kidding. have to cut the hole in the rear diffuser for the tailpipe That's and right. go drive in the HOV lane. And then yes. the sounds that makes through a parking lot. People, what a cool test. What? <laughs> Where does that noising come That's from? That's awesome. I love the idea, and uh, we're looking at it too. I, I love that future electric cars – might have LS swaps in them. <laughs> because That's old LS cars are going to have electric swaps. Let's go both ways. Why not? Exactly. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really, write to us with your car debates, your car conclusions, and your topic Tuesday to TV at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on the website. Top right mm-hmm. corner under the About tab is the Contact button. Mm-hmm. And while you're there, the second tab over is YouTube. You can find our Test Drive channel, channel number two mm-hmm. with Test Drives when you're doing your drive homework. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Cheers.